This is Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast, episode number 160. Today, our special guest is Dr. Natasha Beauvais, a board-certified family physician. Natasha has a passion for healthy bodies and minds and growing strong teams, so stay tuned. to Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast. This is the only podcast that shows you how to leverage polarity intelligence, an essential competency for healthcare leaders and the missing logic in healthcare so you can create healthy healing organizations and become a thriving, resilient, and unstoppable healthcare leader. We are your hosts, Tracy Christofferson and Michelle Troset. We've been best friends and colleagues for over 30 years. And during that time, we coached healthcare leaders across North America around how to create healthy healing organizations. Today, we coach healthcare leaders and leadership teams to live thriving, resilient, and balanced lives, combat burnout, and create the best places to give and receive care. This podcast is for the unsung hero of healthcare, the healthcare leader. We want you to know we see you and we'll be here for you each week. In this podcast, we're going to challenge healthcare's industry norms, flip limiting beliefs, and share proven strategies so you can be your best self at working at home, live and lead intentionally, and experience well-being and joy. We are glad you are here and look forward to sharing the journey with you. If you aren't totally convinced this podcast is for you, just listen to a few episodes and convince yourself. Hello, everyone. This is Michelle. And Tracy, welcome to another episode of Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast. Yes, we are back in the studio together. We are. Yay. (laughs) Yay. Just wrapped up another great interview. Oh, so much fun. I love doing interviews. I do too. What do you like most about them? I think just tapping other people's lessons and experience and recognizing that we're all on the same journey together, no matter what our health profession role is or what know what we are doing it's like we always find a connection a strong connection with the people that we interview yeah we do I think it's just fun to talk to other people besides you no (laughs) (laughs) just teasing (laughs) no it is I just like you know it's a great opportunity to meet people you would never meet that's right I mean we probably would have never met her wasn't for the podcast I don't think we would have no and when I say her, we're talking about Dr. Natasha Beauvais. Yes. She's our guest today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she kind of knocked on our door and then we met her and we saw a lot of synergies and connections in the work we're trying to do in the world to improve health care. And I think what I really appreciate about her, I remember when I first learned about her is her passion for improving her practice, the physician practice. So we deal a lot with hospitals and large healthcare systems. And we really haven't talked to anyone about making their practice healthy, human. And she is definitely on that journey. Yeah, yeah. So it was really great just to hear what they're doing Mm -hmm. and to learn from her and her experience. And her and I, we've got some synergy around being learners. Yes. So, you know. (laughs) And she's definitely intrigued with polarities. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And relationships. She is. She is. Well, she's just learning a ton. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's fun to talk to somebody who's open to learning and wants to share that learning with other people. Like, so she shared it with the people in her office and, and she's really trying to support them in their, in their journeys. And so we talk a little bit about that. So before we tell you everything we talked about, (laughs) 
Let me introduce Dr. Natasha Beauvais. So Natasha is a physician at Northern Virginia Family Practice Associates. This is a family medicine practice, and it offers full-service concierge health care in the Northern Virginia area. So she has over 20 years of professional experience, and she understands the deep connection between our physical well-being and our medical health and our mental health. And she cares for people one at a time, thoughtfully, and with the support of a team of family members and other providers. Now, um, she specializes in prevention and provides a personal connection to healthy minds and bodies. She treats singles and partners and families and grandparents Everybody, everybody, right? <clears throat> and they're all working to, you know, they're working to help people to live longer and to feel more alive and healthy in the process. So, um, Dr. Beauvais is a board-certified family physician. She also works to prevent cancer, heart disease, immobility. She's got a really broad mm-hmm, practice, very broad. right? Yeah, and she addresses the needs of people who feel overwhelmed in the gym. Or unsure of how to get started. And so she spearheaded the conception of an exclusive fitness program called Age Proof Your Body. And that supports people of all ages to embark on a path towards fitness. Sign sign me up. Isn't that cool? Yeah, (laughs) I know. (laughs) Yeah, I struggle a little bit in the gym. Um, So when she's not working, she loves to hang out with her spouse and she has four children. She enjoys meeting people from all over the world and eating foods from everywhere. And she really hopes to visit all the national parks uh, and every continent. She's got a few more to go uh, and would love tips on favorite places to visit when the pandemic is over, completely over, right? And we can really go everywhere we want to go, right? Yep. She's received a few awards and has had some recognition. Mm-hmm. So uh, she was the best, she got the best doctor award uh, from Northern Virginia Magazine in 2021, the top doctor award from Arlington Magazine in 2021, and Washington, Washington, Washingtonian. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying that right. Washingtonian. But Washingtonian <laughs> top doc in 2020 and 2021. So that gives you a little bit of idea why we were talking to Natasha, right? Top doc on the show. Top doc. <laughs> and she's the American Medical Women's Association co-founder of Women's mentoring program. She'd be a good mentor. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she would. And, you know, so she's just a wonderful guest, lovely person, and obviously the top doctor. <laughs> <laughs> so without further ado, here's our interview with Natasha. Well, welcome, Natasha, to Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast. You know, we were reflecting. We had such a great time meeting you and just preparing for this interview. So we're so excited to kick this off today. And welcome to the show. Oh, well, it's mutual. I'm excited to talk to you guys. Mm-hmm. Great, great. So let's start out by telling our listeners about your journey into medicine. What was that like? Sure. Um, uh, well, I think I, I, I wanted to, I started wanting to go into medicine probably when I was about 12 without really knowing that it was medicine that I wanted to go into. Um, I, I just saw an elderly person getting out of a car and someone helping that person, or maybe they weren't helping that person. And I thought my, I was sitting next to my mom in the car and I said, mom, I, I think I want to help old people. And I was very embarrassed by that, uh, that I, you know, that I, that that would be the thing that I would want to do. But my mom really celebrated that. And, um, 
Then I went through a few other career ideas, but came pretty solidly back to um, to medicine. And I, I always really loved my pediatrician, and he was just a very warm, embracing person. And I think that put a, a positive taste in my mouth toward what practicing medicine would be like. Great. There's always someone that really, you know, kind of sparks your interest. And so that's great. Yeah. Role model. Yeah. Role model for you. Sounds like what you wanted to aspire to be. Yeah, definitely. He was certainly the the person every kid was happy to go see. Ah, (laughs) that's awesome. Well, we know you also um, discovered another passion that you have as you face the challenge of taking on, you know, your, the management of your practice, you kind of identified another passion for creating, you know, better work cultures in your practice. And so tell our listeners a little bit about that discovery, how that came to be and what that was like for you and what that is. Sure. Well, I I had been working in my practice for about seven years when my boss retired. And um, he asked me to take over for him, which was a a lovely gift that he gave me. Uh, And at the same time that he left, the office manager also simultaneously retired. And so we were really left with a complete lack of leadership in our well, not a complete lack of leader, a relative lack of leadership in our office. And so we really had to start doing things, you know, learning from the bottom up. Um, there was a very, very new uh, intern office manager and there was me and neither of us knew very much. Uh, <laughs> so we, um, we, we worked with a lot of consultants, the retiring doctor stayed on for quite a while and um, helped us through a, a difficult period of about a year where we kind of got our feet on the ground. And, um, and, and what's been wonderful ever since then is that to me, after practicing medicine for 20 years, it was like learning a whole new skill. And I had never known that there was a whole science around running a business or, you know, which is, so funny to say now that I've you know, realized <laughs> that maybe a quarter of the U.S. economy is directed at running businesses and you know how, how to do it better. But um, we, I began to read and just learn about what what people do when they're trying to help things run a little bit better. And in reading, I somehow came across a book called An Everyone Culture. Um, which is written by Lisa Leahy and Bob Keegan. And they had explored for 30 years in their research, PhD research and work with companies, um, a way of doing things that was um, insight based on insight development. So people, just like anyone might be, uh, developing insights if they were working one-on-one with any mentor or person. This was a way to help people develop insights across the whole company, not real, not relying on one-on-one mentoring or coaching, but by teaching the, the whole office to do it together. Yeah. 
What was it? What was kind of the essence of what you were teaching them? Like, how did you, how did you manage to do that, to bring everybody together in that office to move that forward? Well, let's not put it in the past tense. (laughs) (laughs) It's a work in progress, in other words. (laughs) This is just started. We're just starting. Okay. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So how, how we are starting to do that is we're using this science that was developed uh, by these researchers in the education school at Harvard. And it is, um, it, it basically uses a structure where we look at something that we'd like to get better at and helps us understand what we are what we are kind of unconsciously doing that's going against that goal of what we would like to get better at and then or or maybe consciously and then why are we not doing those things that would help us get to something that we would actually like to to do and by using a model that they've created it helps us almost um almost with almost embarrassing clarity kind of <laughs> oh shoot i'm kind of getting in my own way it, and um that that's been mostly helpful for me so far because i had to try it out first and i'm the one who can, I, i'm continuing to try it out um and so when i when i can learn with clarity that i'm the source of the problem that if if i don't change i can't get anybody to do anything differently then it just um, it really just changes my relationship to the problem. And then if everyone does that, and, and we are not at everyone yet, mind you, we're just doing this with five people right now. But if everyone are is able to look at something that they would like to get better at and begin to understand, oh, you know, there isn't a roadblock for me necessarily, but I might be causing my own roadblock accidentally. Mm-hmm. then, you know, we, we can change it because we can see it. But yeah. like you guys always say, you can't change what you can't see. That's right. <laughs> so, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love what I love about what you're saying is um, what I'm hearing is everybody's got to do their own work, right? It starts with me mm-hmm. and it's not always external to me. Sometimes it's what's happening internally in my thoughts or, you know, how I might get in my own way. And that's comes back to me for like around to our dynamic balance effect framework, which is about mindful choices, right? Choosing how I'm going to be or how I'm going to interact in the situation or choose my behaviors or Mm -hmm. my thoughts or those types of things. Yeah. Right. And and that it starts with me then it has to, and, and me, me, meaning me in this case, but in, in the case of the organization, <clears throat> it's everyone. And so what I also love about this model is that it's not focusing on the top five people in the organization, you know, that where we've decided to give a little extra support. It's really embracing that every person is capable of growth and change. And, and actually every person is hungry for growth and change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if we can use this as one of one of the many ways to get to that, then we will have all learned something and, and developed quite a lot of trust along the way, because just trying to, to get out of our day-to-day schedule and commitments to taking care of other people, which is what healthcare is, we can, we can work a little bit more closely together on, on something project-based and then 
we begin to trust that each of us is coming at this healthcare relationship from a very personal mm-hmm. place and that mm-hmm. what's going on in our personal lives has a huge impact mm-hmm. on how we're going about it on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. And once we, once we have even a little bit more trust with each other, it's much easier to take on a responsibility, you know, realizing everyone else is taking on their responsibility. Well, I think what you're describing, Natasha, is um, we teach in our principles of healthy relationships, equal responsibility, and people can't be have that sense and really live that principle if they aren't engaged and involved in the process and really know this is our shared purpose as a group and everyone makes equal contributions to that. Right, well, because if you're if you're going to believe that there's equal responsibility, you have to be trusting that the other person on any side of that e- equality equation is trying their best to hold their mm-hmm. duties and responsibilities up high as well. Yeah, yeah, and trust is just right the cornerstone of all of it. And to have mm-hmm. trust, you got to be trustworthy, right? And when people can see you're a human being, like everybody else, right? We're all just human beings doing the best that we can and, you know, moving through these situations, although, you know, it may look different for each of us, there's some commonality to it, Mm -hmm. right. And how we're trying to move forward to it, which, which really kind of brings me to my next question, which is like, what do you think are some of the biggest challenges when it comes to remaining human in the workplace? Because so much of what you're saying is about that humanness and honoring that in each person. Um, I guess where my mind goes with that is thinking about hierarchy and how that can sometimes create a situation where people fall silent and that, you know, if we're really going to have a more human organization, we need to have what I would call a flatter organization, you know, where we have input from all of the voices at all of the levels and not not just input, but people people see things in at every level that might need attention or didn't quite go right or went really, really well, but but nobody realized it. And I think without I think to get to more humanness, we get to more um, kind of egalitarian participation in how in process building mm-hmm. so that the people that are being doing the bills or the people that are scheduling the patients or the people that are calling back about labs are all really empowered to recognize when when someone is in need or when when a process didn't go right or when we made a mistake or um, you know when one of the doctors, said the wrong thing. Like people have to be willing to, to notice things for each other and speak about them with each other so that then they can get better mm-hmm. yeah. forward. Yeah. Yeah. It's really kind of a both and right. Like there are times where you need the structure of hierarchy where there's somebody has to make the final decisions, right? Like there's mm-hmm. just some mm-hmm. elements of that, but what you're bringing is that complement of partnership. And again, back to what Michelle mm-hmm. was saying, that equal accountability. We all own the outcomes here. We all play a part. 
and um, having that opportunity to bring your voice, right? To to bring that expertise that you have and how you see, um, how you see the practice in your perspective, right? From your context with the what's happening within your practice, right? To the table, so everybody has a chance to contribute and to bring their perspective. And make so it safe. Maybe it's not so much about hierarchy as it is about either personality or, or innate confidence, because I think there are some people at every level who are really, really ready to participate in every conversation. And there are some people at every level who hold back and are, are not comfortable, even though they have really powerful ideas going in their head. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, maybe there's a little bit about hierarchy, but I think a lot of it is just about trust, going back to trust, you know, yeah. do we really trust that we can say what we, what we think mm-hmm. and do we trust ourselves? Are we confident enough in ourselves to realize that what we think matters? Mm-hmm. Well, that circles back to how we can get in our own way, right? If we're not mm-hmm. confident mm-hmm. in ourselves <laughs> that we don't bring our voice, then right, then everybody misses out. So again, it's that kind of sometimes it's us, not the environment that we're in, that's kind of creating a roadblock to making yeah. that contribution or having more of a contribution or more of an impact maybe in the environment. Mm-hmm. But the more you humanize the workplace and the more you make it safe to bring your voice, then the easier and easier it gets over time, you know, and sometimes people aren't used to that. So it takes practice and consistency and you know, you really want to create that container of psychological safety for mm-hmm. for the team. And uh, as a leader, sometimes it's, it's just even that much more important that you role model it. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. it's so hard to see sometimes where it doesn't feel safe for for everyone. And, you know, until we begin to really, really work closely together and we feel things slightly change, slightly but powerfully change, then we, you know, it's hard to know where people don't yet have that trust until you start to really work on it. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, cause I don't, I think we have a pretty good organization. You know, people stay here. They like to work here. They typically don't leave to go to do other things unless it's something really wonderful. Um, and at the same time, we still have a lot of work to do. We still have a lot of ways that we can grow to reach each other better. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Well, it's definitely a journey. <laughs> we always say you never arrive. You're always working on it, right? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think, too, it comes back. And again, the trust comes into this, too. But it's that vul- the ability to be vulnerable to say, hey, I'm working on it, right? <laughs> I'm not perfect. I'm not going to do everything right exactly the way we may want it to be, but I'm working on it. Mm-hmm. And just everybody being open to knowing that each person is on their own journey. And then you're on a journey collectively to make the environment what it needs to be to serve your patients, your populations in the very best way. Yeah. One thing that was surprising a few years ago to me was that when we surveyed the, our whole staff um, like by an external person, every single person in the organization wrote down that they really wanted to grow. And I was delighted about that. And and I was also a little surprised just because I, you know, in some people, it's so easy to see their forward growth. And in some people, 
it's less easy to see. And so I think for those people who are, you know, very clearly, you know, stepping outside of the office and taking a class or trying something new within the office, then it's easy to see that. But, for, but in fact, even where it's harder to see, everyone wanted it. Mm. And, th- and then I realized, oh, like, my job is not just to kind of celebrate those people who are already figuring it out and doing it, but it's to embrace all of these people with a huge amount to offer within the healthcare environment. And all of these people want to provide better care. They want to grow in their own skill level. Some of them would like to grow here and then go run their own office somewhere. And this could be a really great training ground for that if we're able to see it and then create a pathway for people to to get there. Hi, it's Tracy. We are hearing from healthcare leaders from all over the country about how exhausted they are as they continue to try to lead and live in the new normal brought on by the COVID-19 pandemic. If you're like many of the leaders we talk with, what you are experiencing now is worse than the pandemic. It's gut-wrenching and it feels like it's never going to end. And your worst fear is that you're letting others down. That is why we developed the Virtual Leadership Survival Bootcamp. Yes, you heard me right. These times call for a survival strategy that will get you through the next six months or more and enable you to create balance between your professional and personal life, grow as a leader, and have a positive impact on your team. Go over to missinglogic.com forward slash new dash events to join the wait list and be the first in line when the next registration opens. Well, I think that was one thing that stood out to Tracy and I when we met you briefly before our interview was that you're an advocate for positive practice culture so that you can better serve your patients. But clearly, we heard you also care about your team and the healthcare workers themselves. So, you know, just what are some Mm -hmm. of the, again, it's an and and both. So what are some of the strategies since, and I think your growth story is a great example of that, that uh, you've put in place so that you can support better patient care and and your work team as well, better experience for them. Well, I guess the first the first place I would go to answer that question is that when we work in healthcare and we have people who've worked in healthcare here at my office for 20 years, those people are here because they really, really, really care about other people. Like they have mm-hmm. tremendous empathy. They have a they have a personal experience in, in healthcare that has made this very meaningful to them. Because they could be working in so many other places and nobody is out working in retail or in law or in other businesses where they could be very well employed because they really, really care about being a healthcare provider. Um, And that includes at every level of the organization. So first of all, everyone really wants to be here. And then I just realized, you know, if, if you have a, if you have an environment where people are caring naturally all the time, it's so easy to be exhausted from that. Um, and, and the other thing that happens, of course, is that <clears throat> every person in every job, healthcare or not, carries a tremendous amount of 
activity in their brain every day about everything else that's going on in the rest of their life. And so whether that's something very stressful and very difficult or very happy and distracting or um, hopeful or depressing, there's a lot of the rest of life that is kind of filtering around in the background at people's work. And if we ignore that and just, you know, put our blinders on and go, like that's one way of being productive. And I think it does work sometimes. Um, But I think unless we can really hear each other and know each other with a bit more depth, we, we kind of can't let go of that stuff enough to really be present in the room. And mm-hmm. I think what I guess personally where I have noticed this myself is when we started doing these developmental pilot groups, we, several of us had significant things going on in the outside, in the outside of our lives. Um, you know, three of the four people in the group were, had, including myself, had something very significant going on with their family. And suddenly, by just even mentioning that that was happening, we weren't working on those issues, but, you know, we checked in with each other at the beginning of these meetings, and and we shared even just two minutes of that. And suddenly, everyone understood what we were each carrying, We didn't spend tons more time on it, but there was a sense of deep understanding and mutuality. Like, I'm not the only one who has something substantial going on in my family. And neither is this other woman next to me. She's not the only one either. And so I think there's so much shared humanity in that. We can each explain a little bit about what's happening we can each receive a little bit about what's happening for others and in doing that it kind of allows us to be really present to what we're actually trying to do at work <laughs> so yeah. you know yeah it's I, ironically it takes a little bit of extra time but in fact you know then we're all kind of freed up to be here to do what we really love doing and why we've been here for this long anyway so, so powerful. So that is a great strategy for, you know, making, you know, for caring for the patients, but caring for each other as well. And Tracy and I are huge advocates for check-ins. We check in with each other. We check in with our team for that very reason. You know, it's just awareness of where are you at today uh, before you get rolling. And it makes a big difference. Yeah. Well, it keeps the workplace human. Yes. Right. It's, I just love that you say, right, there's all this stuff going on in our head about what's happening outside of there. And I think that's another reason why we work with healthcare leaders to focus on, you know, kind of leveraging the tension between personal life and professional life, Mm -hmm. because it's always there in both of them, right? They're an interdependent pair. They're impacting each other. And we can make a lot of assumptions about people in the workplace. Mm Mm-hmm. When we don't know what's happening in their personal life, right? But we have, when we have that opportunity to just share and be vulnerable with each other a little bit, then we realize we're not alone. Like you said, I'm not alone. I'm not the only one that's got stuff, right? (laughs) We've all got stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, and then you just, you know, you're a little bit, I think what, what we've experienced historically when those things happen 
is you're a little more compassionate. You're a little more open. You're a little bit more, you know, forgiving. You're a little bit more empathetic with each other when you see each other as a human being versus somebody who has a role who they need to fulfill in the workplace. Yeah. Yeah. And that compassion, I think we feel naturally because that's why we're in healthcare. We have some mm-hmm. compassion, right? Sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and so I think it's so, it's really natural for people to want to be offering that to patients because that's kind of what healthcare starts right. out as. Mm-hmm. Um, but to be really received in a compassionate way from other coworkers, it, 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 it creates a connection, but it also creates a freedom. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. they understand me and now I can go forward. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's talk about another challenge in healthcare, uh, something called a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> so we wanted to, we wanted just to check uh, in with you on this too, Nika- Natasha, you know, obviously your practice, just like every other group, group of healthcare providers across the country has had tremendous lessons through the pandemic. And what are your, some of your greatest hopes of how this collective experience we've all had can accelerate improvement in our cultures, our human development? What are you hopeful that we'll take away from this? Well, one thing is just realizing that we we, we as healthcare providers can be helpful inside the exam room and out of the exam room. Um, and I think one, one thing COVID accelerated for all of healthcare uh, in, in the developed world is that we now can do it remotely, which means we can make it accessible. Um, you know, on a one-to-one, we can make it accessible to people that couldn't come in before. But the other thing that, that, that really dramatically changed here was that first the first two months of of COVID during 2020 when there was just so much you know a fire hose of information every night about what was going on how do we protect ourselves how is this thing transmitted should we wear this you know should we wear headgear should we wear booties should we wash our hands and ride you know (laughs) what should we be doing and um and how to how to keep our staff safe and how to keep our patients safe and and the, the information kept changing really daily and so we recognized that we had to get that message out to our patients quickly and began doing online town halls for our patients mm. and you know this was at a time when we were we had just been trying to learn how to get outside the office physically to go, you know, to a community center to offer education or to go into a nursing home to offer education. And we couldn't do that anymore because we, we couldn't go physically. Um, but it accelerated our ability to get out of our own, you know, proverbial office because we were able to then offer that to a lot of patients all at once. Um, and, and so I'm not sure if that tells us how humanity will be better in the future after COVID, but that (laughs) really was a change, a personal change and a professional change and orientation shift. I think that we had here, Mm -hmm. um, how are we going to make, make, how is COVID going to, going to create better humanity in the future? I'm going to have to really noodle on that one. I'm, I, I don't know if I have a good answer yet. 
(laughs) (laughs) Another thing that's evolving, right? That's right. Maybe we're just still trying to figure that out, maybe. I think so. <laughs> but I think what you bring up is really important, is we've been able to leverage a technology that's been there, but there was nothing that really pushed us over that line to do it. And now we are seeing the benefits of it. And hopefully it's something we'll continue to leverage to be able to reach patients and not have... Uh, you know, have have their care be limited to in-person experience, but also to really leverage that virtual experience to help them and better their health as well. Yeah, I mean, that actually helped us really learn this developmental method, um, probably in a way that's more thorough than what, what it would have been if we had done what we were originally intending to do, which was have a team come in and do a presentation for the office and. Um, and have an experience, which then ends, you know, because when, mm-hmm. a, when you're limited to somebody flying in from out of state to do, to, to, to work with you, you're not going to do it very often, <laughs> but, yeah. but if you could engage with them, you know, once a week or once a month online for an hour, uh, with very, very minimal cost, boy, there's a lot to learn from those people. And the, the relative expense is dramatically cheaper. And so we can sure. really can really grow faster when we're using those resources because Mm -hmm. it's less time consuming and more accessible. Yeah, there you go. Benefits, benefits. It's <laughs> <laughs> so always something good that comes out of, you know, challenges, yeah. I think. So it's just, you got to look for them, right? And, mm-hmm. and I think that's a great example of, uh, you know, leveraging resources and in, in different ways and, and some of the the great things that have come out of that. Well, we're kind of at our missing question time now, Natasha. We've kind of told you that we like to ask some missing questions at the end of our time so that we can, our listeners can kind of get to know you even more on a personal level since we've spent quite a bit of time talking about your practice and kind of the difference that you're making there. So we just got three fun questions to ask you. Nothing tough. You can handle it. (laughs) So I'm going to start out and ask a couple and then Michelle's going to ask one. Okay. So the first missing question is what do you and your family like to do most living in North Northern Virginia? Uh, well, uh, ironically, Tracy, the, the thing we like to do most is to get out into the country. <laughs> <laughs> we, um, we, we like to go outside. We like to be uh, in the woods. We like, there's lots of parks right around here, and we uh-huh. spend a good amount of time in them. Um, you know, this is not really what you're asking, but I think it's actually probably more true. So, uh, what I will admit that I noticed was on one of your podcasts, I, I heard you quote someone who had talked about how, uh, how people at the end of their life always wish that they had spent more time with their friends. Mm-hmm. And I, and, and that you two both to each other said, well, you know, sometimes those healthcare leaders, they don't even know what that would be like. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, uh, you know, she does a pretty good job imitating us. Don't you yes, think? She does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your podcast is very punctuated by laughter, which is great. But I did think to myself, wow, you know, I think I'm one of those. I, I love my work. I, I, I love it. And um, I also 
realized that in the course of raising children and loving my work, I, I haven't had as much time to really nurture friendships and to really nurture relationships. So what I would like to tell you is that we love to get together with our friends. But what I, what I, what I will say is I'm, I'm working on that. That's my developmental edge, I would say, is kind of reconnecting with people outside and, and having a life outside of this very meaningful workplace life. Yeah. yeah. Well, you're yeah. not alone because we do coaching with a lot of healthcare leaders and um, that comes up like they don't even really realize it until they look at their friend space and they're like, wow, I've really let go of this through the pandemic and through maybe where they are in their career. And mm-hmm. it's 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 really important. It actually helps you create margin in your life that you have that space where you can be connected with other adults and laugh and grow together. So. <laughs> Well, fills your yeah. bucket, right? It does. Fills your feeds your soul, fills your bucket up, and yeah, well, right. it takes care of your body. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that. I think that was really great. That's really great. Yeah, that is. Um, so, so here's a follow up question to that. Sure. Now, when it comes to self care, Natasha, what's your go to intervention for yourself? Well, in the last few years, it's been learning how to lift weights again. Oh. Um, I I used to be an athlete in college, but if you looked at me today, you would not immediately identify me as a previous (laughs) athlete. (laughs) (laughs) um, You know, and that got to a point of of extreme um, deconditioning. And uh, a, f- a few years ago, I, I tried to get out of my car and I couldn't even stand up straight. And, you know, it turns out that in, in short summary, the reason why that was happening was because I wasn't working out. <laughs> so um, my, my husband very lovingly said to me in another car ride, <laughs> first of all, like, don't you want to go hiking with me when, when we get old? Don't you want to still be able to do that? And second of all, how can you be a doctor if you are not going to the gym? And you're telling people to exercise all day long. So what, is, you know, what kind of doctor are you? Lovingly, he said That's that, right? right? Very lovingly. No, it was a very, it was a very uh, needed nudge. So, um, so in the last three years, it's been kind of trying to rediscover the muscles that had gone dormant in the decade prior to that. Yeah. Well, good for you. And it, isn't it great we can start over? <laughs> That's we can right. start over. That's <laughs> yeah, right. you can always pick it back up. We can well, always pick you. it back up. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So our wrap-up question, Natasha, as you know, we... Uh, we teach healthcare leaders the concept of polarity intelligence. And uh, we innately always have a preference poll of two interdependent pairs that actually need each other to achieve a greater purpose. And so we're going to give you um, a polarity, uh, two pairs, and we're going to, or one pair, two, <laughs> two poles. And we want you to just to share with us what your preference poll is. Doesn't mean that they're both not important, but where do you tend to lean the most? You ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. Sure. Individual or team? That's really hard to get to say. <laughs> That's really hard to say. 
<laughs> There's no right or wrong answer if that makes it any easier. Yeah. What's the first thing that came to your mind? Yeah. Yeah. The first thing that came to mind is all this developmental work that we're doing. It's all team. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I think that's where it's the most deeply rewarding is to be doing it with team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and if I, but you know, right behind that is, well, in order to do the team, I really, you know, was celebrating learning something new by myself. And, and so, sure. Uh, and, and in order to lead the developmental work that's about team, you know, I have to learn some, a new skill, which is mm-hmm. starts with myself. And so I guess it's yeah. a lot of, it's a polarity. It, it is. is a polarity. <laughs> yeah. You are exactly yeah. right. And, and some, sometimes it's not evident, like immediately evident to us that we have a preference for one more than the other. It's just something to pay attention to because that represents a, can be representative of a blind spot that you have, right? When we have a preference, like if you were heavily, like, I just love doing my own self-development, my own personal growth, and just like really lean towards that, it could be a blind spot as to the benefits of the team, right? So we just like to have people recognize sometimes you have that and it's important to pay attention to. Yeah. Something that I always think of when I'm listening to your podcast, which I've done many times uh, since you invited me to speak on it, and I I really enjoy listening to your guests and learning from them. Many of them have this polarity language. You know, they've already been to your courses. They've been certified. And for those of us who don't, I'm, I'm wondering if you might just even give a highlight about what either, you know, how everything can be shaped in a polarity or how both and is the way to look at all these things or, you know, like what are your kind of several three or five kind of basic pearls of polarity thinking that that's what you guys are all about? Sure. Well, sure. And we also are having a podcast session coming up on this topic. (laughs) But, but, but I will say for right now, for those people that are just like hanging on their edge right now, what are they going to (laughs) say? The, the first step is you have to be able to differentiate between a problem and a polarity. Cause if you can't do that, then you're, you're going to be lost all the time. And you're always going to go to your problem solving mindset and you're, and then you're going to end up with the same dealing with the same issues over and over again. Mm -hmm. So it's really exercising that muscle. um, I would say is really important as far as being able to differentiate the two would be step one. Um, I think step two is um, really recognizing that it's not a 50-50. And that's where people really struggle with the and and both. They think everything has to be 50-50. And especially when it comes to balancing your personal life and your professional life, caring for yourself, caring for your others, caring for yourself as an individual and caring for your team. So I think it's understanding that. And that you have to have action on both. Otherwise, it's like a crystal ball. You will fail over time. Yeah. I think the other thing is just that it's not problems or polarities. It's both. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's a it, that's a polarity in and of itself. Problem solving and polarity, right? Leveraging polarities is really a polarity in and of itself. So there are always going to be problems that have solutions. 
It's that differentiation True. is what Michelle brought forth, yeah. right? Just being able to tell the difference between the two. And, you know, I think the other thing is just recognizing too what a critical um, competency this is. That because if you uh, treat a polarity like a problem and you try to solve it, you're going to fail. It's, it's like a universal law like gravity. It's going to happen. It's going to, the same things are going to occur over time. You know, you get mm-hmm. some initial success when you're trying to treat a polarity as a problem. You might get some positive outcomes, but it won't be sustainable because you're not. The thing you're making me think of is... Um, is a uh, it, it, really basically worth work life balance, and, I, and yep. I remember um feeling stuck and caught, you know, when I was much younger, and not even sure if I had a baby yet, but I I was certainly caught between how much time I was working and how much time I had yes. to do anything else, and I guess I must have had babies because I I just remember my mother in law, who was a very professional person, saying you know, this is, it, 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 it's about walking that line between those yes. things. You're never going to feel like you have it figured out. You know, you're yeah. never going to have the answer. No. It's unanswerable. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Yeah. Because they both exist. Yeah. They're interdependent. They influence each other. Right. And so it's really about leveraging that energy between them. And I think what Michelle was bringing up before it's not fifty. It's not a fifty-fifty balance like a weight and scale, right? I have this many pounds on this part of the scale and this mm-hmm. many pounds. On. It's yeah. really because it's dynamic. Our lives are dynamic, and you were bringing that up when we mm-hmm. talked, right? People have stuff. They have things going on. There are times where we have to give more attention to one area of our life, like during the pandemic, right? Like people had to give more attention. To, you know, to maybe to work at that point in time, if you're a healthcare provider, because of all that was happening. And at the same time, you don't want to lose the positive benefits that you get from giving attention to your family or your personal life. So it's learning how to do that in a way that serves you and knowing that and planning ahead. I think that's the other thing, right? It's you have to be vigilant about this. The only polarity in our lives that's managed for us is inhaling and exhaling. And our body does that all day long, right? That, that's the kind of the metaphor for polarity. You inhale, you exhale. You have to do both to live. If you don't do both, you're going to die, right? So, but that's the only one. It just happens naturally. Every other polarity has to be leveraged. So you have to recognize it, take the steps to get the best of the benefits of both poles and be aware of when you're over-focusing so that you can course correct. And to your point, that's one of the reasons why we created a boot camp when it comes to the personal and professional life is for healthcare leaders, especially, always feel torn, right? You're feeling that tension all the time because of what you're called to do and the, the um, passion you have for what you're doing. You can get so wrapped mm-hmm. up in the being the leader, right, and making a difference that you can forget or let go of the importance of the family, the personal life, the friendships, right? You kind of, you, you can kind of start to neglect those things and then you end up experiencing negative consequences from that. So it's mm-hmm. that whole dynamic and being aware gives you the power to leverage it. But if you're not aware, they're working on you. When you're aware, you can work with it and leverage it. Yeah, I mean the science of this is so similar to the science of of adult cognitive development. Mm, it is yes. it's just mm-hmm. exactly parallel. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also love the thing you say about working from circumstance, you know, like yes. where you're experiencing yourself as a, a participant or a victim in a, mm-hmm. in a big cascade of events instead of recognizing yourself from no matter where you are as someone who has influence over how, yep. how these things go yeah. and that working from circumstance, changing your mentality about that is yeah. so, is so um, empowering when you finally realize, Oh, I can do something. Oh, yes. This is good. Yeah. 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 Cause we have those choices all the time, all the right? Time. And every moment you have a choice. And where you're putting your attention, what your where your thoughts are going, like, and you brought some of that up right at the very beginning of our conversation, right? When I can step back and recognize to turn my attention internally to who I'm being, how I'm showing up, the thoughts I'm having versus on my circumstances, which is external always, right? It's that balance between being mm-hmm. in the circumstance and taking control of the things I can take control of and the way that I'm thinking or being and how that's impacting what I'm experiencing or how I'm interpreting what I'm experiencing. Yeah. Well, yeah. I love the language you guys use and it's, um, it's really fun to be around that, uh, you know, a, a very different, very well um, defined way of thinking that is, you know, equally powerful and, you know, has very similar language and goals as the, mm-hmm. the one we're trying to work on mm-hmm. at the moment. You know, there's mm-hmm. more than more than one way to do this right. And Oh, yeah. 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 Fun but, to listen to. Yeah. yeah. It is powerful when you have that common understanding and common language. So. Yeah. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, polarity intelligence, too, is, um, you know, it's about the polarities, but it's also about the relationships and the dialogue. The intelligence is about leveraging the relationships and the dialogue to be able to leverage the polarities, to be able to explore those polarities in your environment so that you're hearing the perspectives of everybody. You're recognizing, right. Mm-hmm. And honoring those perspectives and seeing how they are interdependent. And uh, so it's that combination of things that it's kind of like a meta theory, right? It's a meta concept that a lot of things fall into or fall under. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Easily. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, this has been a great dialogue with you, Natasha. Yeah. I always enjoy Thanks. talking with you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's been well, fun. it's very mutual. So maybe if I make it up, is it, are you guys in Michigan? Yeah, yes. We're in Michigan. Yep. Yep. We have hiking paths here too. <laughs> but you know what I love about you is you're, in, you're just so curious. And I just, I just think that's been a real gift for you, just improving things and being so curious and a, definitely a learner, like my friend Tracy here. Yeah, I'm a learner. <laughs> She's a learner. <laughs> yeah, I'm right there with you. Yeah, fun. yeah, yeah. Well, and I just, you know, thank you for sharing your journey and just the work that you're doing to improve mm-hmm. the environment that you're in and to support your team and give them, you know, tools that empower them as well. You know, I think that's a great, a sign of a great leader. So I just really appreciate that. And thanks for sharing well, your thank story. Thank you guys for working with all those leaders. And, uh, you know, I haven't even had the chance to work with you yet, but maybe we can in the future. Oh, yeah. Oh, we're counting on oh, it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we said that before we got on today. We're going to be working with Natasha in the yes. future. We got, a lot of, we got a lot of synchronicity here, right? A lot of commonality. So, yeah. yeah I'm feeling it. Yeah, uh, us too. Us too. So, 
Okay, so that's a wrap for another episode of Healthcare's Missing Logic. And um, just stay safe, stay healthy, and keep learning. Yeah, we'll see you next time. All right. Thanks, Tracy. Thanks, Michelle. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. enjoyed this episode of Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast, now a top-rated podcast for healthcare leaders. Please share this podcast with other healthcare leaders and anyone else you think would benefit. We are certain that if you found value in it, they will too. If you haven't already done so, please hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any episodes. And also, it would mean the world to us if you took a quick moment to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast player. It helps to get the word out about our podcast and incredible guests. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel if you want to watch our podcasts. You can also follow us on our Missing Logic social media channels, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Until next time.